little bit excited about Christmas? Wow. Well, Christmas is pretty exciting, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, what excites you the most about this time of year, about Christmas? Raise your hand. Okay. The food. The food. Yeah, that excites me too. As long as someone else is cooking it, it's pretty exciting. The presents. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Presents. The tree. Don't you love that beautiful tree? And you wake up in the morning and plug it in, and there's this nice glow. It's wonderful. Um, decorating. Decorating. That's so fun. So fun to do with your family. Well, let me read you a little verse. Okay, and this is from Luke chapter 2. It's verse 10, and it's when the angels appear to the shepherds, okay, to tell them that baby Jesus is here. Okay. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, so that happened a long time ago, and they were really, really excited about it. And that's something that we can be really, really excited about today. That's why we celebrate Christmas so, you know, sometimes uh, you, ha- you bake Christmas cookies and then you get really excited about Christmas cookies and then you eat the last one and then it's not so exciting anymore. Or you get that toy you were looking forward to and you leave it outside in the rain and then it's not so exciting anymore. So what are some things around Christmas time that, w- that are lasting, bring us lasting joy and lasting things? Food. You're- yeah, we, st- we still have food. You're right. Family and friends coming over to your house. Absolutely. Family and friends. Jesus' birthday. Absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. Let's remember that. Let's pray because that is the most important thing to remember this time of year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the joy of Jesus. Thank you, um for this time of year, but Lord, I pray that most of all, we would remember um, Jesus above all the other things that are going on. We would remember that you sent Jesus to this world to save us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you pray with me one more time as the the kids are headed out to Sunday school? God, we just thank you so much uh, for this morning, for this time to gather, and for the truth that comes even from the mouths of children, that what we celebrate this season is not presence, not the joy of giving, but the joy of knowing your son, Jesus Christ, is our Savior, and what that means to us, and what that brings into this world. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the last few weeks leading up to Christmas, we've been going through a Christmas series called Carols, and what we're doing each week is uh, we're taking a Christmas carol that's related to that day's Advent theme, Uh, So for this week, it's joy, and we're looking at maybe some of the lyrics or maybe just the theme of that Christmas carol, and we're we're seeing what does Scripture have to say about that theme or about these lyrics? What What are these songs based on? And they're based on the Scripture, the true story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons we want to do this is because most of us, when we sing these Christmas songs, maybe I'm the only one, but I kind of get the warm fuzzies, you know, It, it brings an overwhelming sense of emotion where it takes us back to maybe our childhood or, or just a great memory we have of, of Christmas past. And that's a good thing to be reminded of that, but 
my hope is that as we look at these Christmas carols, as we look at the biblical basis for these, that when we sing them in the future, our minds wouldn't only run to those great memories of Christmas past, but our minds would run to the truths of Scripture, that Jesus Christ was born, that He is our Savior, that He is Lord, and that we can have joy. And next week, we'll, we'll look at peace. And so that as we sing these songs, again, we're not just reminded of, of the great times of Christmas past, but, but the, the real truth of Scripture, and that we can be brought to a place where our spirit is in line with God's spirit, and we can worship God in spirit and in truth. And so this morning, our, our carol that we're focused on is Joy to the World. And we're just going to be focusing on joy. What is joy? How do we have lasting, true, real joy? And we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 again. Amanda just read the verse with the kids. um, Verses uh, 10 and 11. I bring you good news of great joy that today in the city of David there is a Savior who has been born. He is Christ the Lord. That's good news of great joy. But unfortunately, a lot of times at, at this time of year... You know, we we get busy with other things, and a time of year where the word joy is thrown around a lot can actually become a time where our joy gets sucked out of our life. There was a a lady who went to do her Christmas shopping, and she was just exhausted. She got to the mall, and she had to park all the way at the back and then walk about a mile and a half just to get to the entrance of the mall. And once she got inside, she began walking up and down every single aisle of every single store looking for that perfect gift for her loved ones. Then, once she did find it, she would go and she would stand in an endless line and wait her turn at the cash register. And when the time finally did come for her to, to check out, she would just be stressed out because she'd hand over that credit card and she knew that she was just racking up massive amounts of debt to pay for, for all of this wonderful Christmas stuff. At the end of the day, she was, she was exhausted, she was worn out, she was stressed out. She decided, you know what, it's time for me to go home. I'm not going to fight the, the crowds on the escalators. I'm just going to head for the elevator. So she heads for the elevator. She's standing there with bags and boxes in hand. And the elevator door opens, and it's crammed full of people. There's no way she's fitting in there. And she just says, oh, great! And of course, the people on the elevator, sensing her little bit of frustration, graciously squeeze in and make just enough room for her to fit in the elevator. And as the doors close behind her, she says, you know, someone ought to find the person that's responsible for this Christmas thing, take them out, string them up, and shoot them. And the other passengers nod their head, and some of them grunted in agreement until someone from the back of the elevator said, don't worry, they already crucified him. And it just, it just, sadly, this story shows that how easy it is for all the things that come around Christmas to be the very thing that sucked the joy out of us when really, if we would just focus on the true meaning of Christmas, we would, we would realize that there is a real, lasting joy that's available to us. You know, we get, we get so caught up with, with Christmas cards, and of course Christmas cards mean for most of us that we've got to get a family portrait, which we all know is just a great joy, isn't it? Getting everybody coordinated, getting there to the photographer, making sure the kids are all looking at the camera. Mom doesn't have her eyes closed. Nobody's yelling at each other. Nobody's crying. But then you have, uh, you've got to mail the Christmas cards. You've got Christmas parties. You've got Christmas cookies. And pretty soon it gets to be Christmas, and our joy is just gone. Our joy is gone because we've lost focus. We've forgotten what Christmas is really about. We're like Charlie Brown. Can anybody tell me what Christmas is really about? 
Yet if we would just focus on what Christmas is truly about, the birth of a Savior, Jesus Christ, then we could experience that joy. This morning I want us to look at how we can have lasting joy. A joy that's going to be with us day in and day out. Week after week, month after month, and year after year. So we're going to look at how we can have joy in our lives. But before we do that, I think it's important that we define the word joy. I know you probably have things that are coming into your mind right now and like, well, define joy. I already know what joy means, but really it's a little bit harder than you think. See, I sat down this, this past week and as I, was, as I was thinking about joy, I was thinking, well, what, what exactly is joy? How do you describe it? And everything that I kept coming up with and I looked at a couple different dictionaries and one word kept popping up and that word was happiness. And I thought, well, that's happiness. That's not really joy. That's happiness. And so I started wondering, well, is there a difference between happiness and joy? And so I started trying to read. I looked into the Bible, and the Bible does a great job telling us what joy looks like, and it does a great job telling us that we are supposed to have joy, but it doesn't ever really define joy. And so I started looking online. I was reading some different articles, people way smarter than I am. They have letters after their name, PhD, and all these other things, and And I was just more confused than when I began. So I decided I was going to go to a coffee shop here in town, Chien Franny's. I go there a lot of times in the morning, and I've got a group of friends that I meet with down there. And I decided I was just going to go there to work. And while I was working there, I was going to set up this sign. A very simple sign that says, Is there a difference between happiness and joy? Tell me what you think. And I was just going to set it in front of me, and, and as people walked by, most of them were reading it, and you'd be surprised the number of people that came over and and told me what they thought. And it was just, it was a great experience. You know, not everyone stopped. Some people would read it and they would walk on by. I had one guy that was on his way out the door. He read it and he said, no, and kept walking. And I said, well, hold on. Do you want want to say any more? He's like, nope. And he just walked right out the door and that was it. But for the most part, people were interested. They were intrigued by this question. Is there a difference between happiness and joy? And it was amazing because I got to have these great conversations with people, not just about is there a difference between happiness and joy, but I I got a chance to say, well, tell me what brings you happiness. Tell me what brings you joy. And after they had talked, they would say, well, what about you? What, What brings you joy? And it was a great opportunity for me to say, you know, here's what brings me joy. I know that that God has done some amazing things in my life, and one of the most amazing things is that I'm saved by my faith in Jesus Christ. And we just had some great conversations. I got to meet some other believers, and we were able to encourage each other. I got to meet people who said, yeah, I've I've heard that before. That's not for me, but but I see him again. I'll see him again in the coffee shop, and it was just great. So as I went back and and, uh, got got back to my house, and I started thinking through all this again, having read the 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 scriptures about joy, having read definitions of joy, articles about joy and happiness, here's what I came up with. Here's where I landed. That there is a difference between happiness and joy. And happiness, happiness is something that you experience that usually depends on something that's exterior, right? So if you get a raise at work, right, that makes us pretty happy. Your kids come home with straight A's, they're happy, and you're happy because they're happy and because they got straight A's. If you get an award or you get recognized for something, that might bring happiness. There's a a comedian who talks about uh, money can't buy happiness. And he says, well, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a wave runner. Have you ever seen somebody frowning on a wave runner? 
And it just goes to show that, yeah, you know what? A lot of times our happiness is tied to these external factors. But when I thought about joy, I, I really think that, that joy is something different. And here's the working definition that we're going to use for joy. It's an enduring sense of happiness that is unaffected by external factors. An enduring sense of happiness that is unaffected by external, external factors. So no matter what's going on around us, we may not be happy, but we can have joy. That's why the, James tells us, consider it pure joy whenever you're facing trials of many kinds. Sometimes it's difficult to be happy during a trial, but we can still have joy. I actually learned that firsthand at the coffee shop this week. Uh, as I was sitting there having conversation, I went to close out of a Word document, and it says, do you want to save? I said, no, I don't want to save. I don't, that particular document I don't care about. Uh, and I went back later to work on my sermon, and it was gone. I'd accidentally closed out of my sermon that I'd been working on all week and hadn't saved it. And I turned to the guy next to me who we'd been talking about happiness and joy, and I said, this is a perfect example. I'm not happy right now, but I've still got my joy. I'm not happy that I lost my whole sermon and I've got to start all over, but I still have my joy. So even though something bad happened, external, I still had that joy. And here's, here's another better way to illustrate it probably. How many of you have ever seen a Winnie the Pooh cartoon? All right, you guys all know Eeyore and Tigger? Now this, to me, is kind of the perfect example of happiness versus joy. Eeyore is that poor little old gray donkey. He lives in a stick house that's always falling down. It's always getting blown over. It doesn't protect him from the rain. And on top of that, he always loses his tail. Now there are times in these cartoons where Eeyore might be happy, but as soon as that thing is gone, as soon as his tail's gone or his house collapses, he, what does he say? Oh, well... Wouldn't matter anyway. And he goes back to being down in the dumps because his happiness is tied to the external. Whereas Tigger, Tigger is this guy that nothing can keep him down. He doesn't matter what's going on around him. No matter what, he's going to bounce back. Literally, he's going to bounce back. He's Tigger. That's what he does. And so there's a big difference between having joy like Tigger where nothing can keep him down. It doesn't matter what's going on around him. He still has that joy in Eeyore. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of us as Christians, we're a little bit too much like Eeyore and not enough like Tigger. We sit there at at work and we start complaining about work. We complain about things at home. We complain about things in the news. And we're sitting there just moping and complaining. And then we turn to the person next to us and say, can I tell you about the joy that I have in Jesus and how you can have that same joy too? And they're like, oh, wow, that sounds great. Yeah, no, thanks. You, you look really joyful. I, th- I don't think I want a part of that. So how can we have this lasting joy? How can we have this lasting joy? There's two players in this chapter 2 that I really want us to focus in on, beginning in verse 8. Two players in this story that I think if we were to imitate them, we would find that we can have lasting joy. The first group that, or first person in this story that I think if we imitate them, we could find that we'll have real lasting joy, a joy that is unaffected by external factors, is the angel. The angel. Look with me at at verse 9. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, speaking about the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find their baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the first thing that we see about the angels, about if we're going to imitate them and have this lasting joy, is this. That they told other people how to find Jesus. The angels told others how to find Jesus. Now, here's the thing about angels. I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on, uh, on getting into angelology, the study of angels, but here's what you need to know about angels for today. When you die, you're not going to become an angel. I hate to break it to you. Those cartoons are all wrong, right? The anvil drops on your head, your spirit doesn't leave, and you go up to heaven, get your wings, and then sit on a cloud and play the harp for all eternity. That's not how it works. All the angels that are ever going to be have already been created. God created the angels before he created the earth. And so all the angels have already existed And what that means for us, why that's important for us, is because they knew Jesus before he was born. Right? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word is Jesus. And then in uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, John's account of Jesus' birth. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Right? So the angels who were in heaven with God knew Jesus while Jesus, who is God and is the Son of God, was in heaven also. And so when Jesus comes to earth, the angels get to be some of the first ones to proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ. That this Savior, God's Son, has come from heaven down to you as man. And so they already knew God. So that's an important step in having joy is that, that you would know Jesus Christ. That's a very important thing. Before you can proclaim the good news, you've got to know Jesus as your Savior. And so the angels who know Jesus, they come down and they begin telling the shepherds about Jesus. And there's, there's something that's really neat that happens in this passage. As far as I can recall, I tried to study this this week, but this is the only time that angels actually come down and tell someone how to find Jesus. This is the only time. There are other times, like Acts chapter 10, there's a man named Cornelius that an angel appears to him and says, hey, you should go find Paul, send someone to find Peter, excuse me, find Peter, and Peter has a message for you. And then Peter comes back to Cornelius and tells Cornelius about Jesus. But this is the only time that I could think of where an angel tells someone how to find Jesus. So why is that important for us? Why does that matter? Because it's our job to tell people how to find Jesus. Right? God could still use angels to tell people how to find Jesus, but instead he chooses to use us. Those who've trusted Christ as their Savior, he chooses to use us. It's our privilege, it's our responsibility, it's a joy for us to get to tell other people how to find Jesus. There's one other way the angels, if we were to imitate them, we could find that we have joy. Look with me again, at, beginning in verse 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So here's what we see. We see that the angels, they told others how to find Jesus, and then they sing God's praises. They sang God's praises. What I love about this is at this point, the angels didn't know one way or the other what the shepherds were going to do with the message that they proclaimed. They didn't know if they were going to go check it out or if they were going to decide that this was all too weird and they, were, they had sheep to take care of. They didn't know. All they knew is that they had proclaimed the message of good news, of great joy that God had given them, that a Savior had come, and that people had heard that message. 
And for them, that was enough to sing God's praises, that God, we praise you because people have heard about your son, Jesus Christ. And that brought them joy. That brought them to a point of worshiping God, that he had sent his son and that people had now heard about it. I think a lot of times as Christians, we hold back. We, we get afraid when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about telling other people about Jesus, because we feel like if they say no, if they say no, I'm not interested in that, that we failed. But I, I hope you'll see through this that, that it's not a failure. That simply being faithful and declaring the message is a win. Right? You, you might want to write this down. God holds us accountable for the conversation, not for the conversion. God holds us accountable for the conversation, not for the conversion. So when God looks at us and and when we stand before God, he's not going to say, how many people did you convert? Because that's between him and, and the other person. But we have the joy, we have the privilege of being able to go out and tell others about Jesus. And as we do that, you're going to find that it's going to draw you closer to him. And it's going to bring you great joy. Especially when that moment comes that you get to be with someone and the light bulb flips on and they get it and they say, yes, yes, I too want to trust Jesus as my Savior. What's more exciting than that? What could possibly be more exciting than being with someone as they for the first time come to know Jesus as their Savior? So if we want to have joy, we want to have lasting joy that that lasts all year long, an enduring sense of happiness that is unaffected by the external, then we want to imitate the angel who told others how to find Jesus and sang God's praises. But there's one other group of people that I think if we were to imitate them, that we could really experience lasting joy. And that's the shepherds. The shepherds. Look with me at at verse 9, and let's see what the shepherds did. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Right? So we're talking about the shepherds there. So they were terrified. When it says terrified, some versions uh, say that they were afraid. A literal translation is that they feared a great fear. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever feared a great fear. But these angels are terrified. But they're going to listen. Verse 15, it says, When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they listened. They listened to the message. They listened to what the angels had to say. They were scared. They, were, they feared a great fear, but they knew that this was something important, that God had a special message for them. It was something that they needed to hear. And what I love is that in verse 15, they don't say, they don't say, let's go see this thing that the angel has told us. What do they say? Let's go see this thing that the Lord has told us about. They recognize that this message is from God, and it's for them. If you're here this morning and, and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, I hope you'll, you'll listen. I hope you'll imitate the shepherds and listen, because hearing the message is the first part. Let's see what they do next. Look with me at at verses 15 and 16. Again, it says, When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So what do we see here? They checked it out. They checked it out. They listened to what the angels had to say, and then they checked it out to see if it's true. 
Now, some people have said this to me before. They said, look, if an angel came down to me and told me exactly what I was supposed to do, I'd believe him. If they gave me the message, I'd believe him. I'd know it was from God. Well, here's the thing. We've got something even better. In my opinion, it's an even greater miracle than an angel appearing. We have this book, the Bible, written by six, uh, it's 66 books, written by over 40 different authors over the span of 2,000 years. Yet there, there's one consistent theme throughout the entire Bible, and it all points to the person and work of Jesus Christ and salvation by faith through him. To me, that's even greater miracle than an angel appearing to us. And so we can, we can know that this is the message that we need to listen to and that we ought to check it out. You know, the shepherds had, had a number of reasons that they could have not gone. You know, they could have looked up at the angel and said, prove it. You know, and, and the angel's like, well, you've got to go check it out. And they're like, no, nope, prove it. I want to see evidence right here. They could have looked at each other after the angels had gone into heaven and said, you know, I think we picked the wrong spices to put on our, on our food tonight. Uh, were you guys hallucinating that same thing? It was just a hallucination. I'm not going to go. You know, we can't prove those angels scientifically, so it must not be true. They didn't say, well, we've got all these sheep that we've got to take care of, and if one of them goes missing, then we're going to have to pay for it, so we can't go right now. No, they, it says that they hurried off. They went immediately, and they checked it out. It reminds me of another group of people. In Acts chapter 17, you can read about uh, a town where there's a group of people, and the town's called Berea. And this is what it says about the Bereans. It says that they were of noble character because they received the message with gladness, the good news of Jesus Christ. They received it eagerly, but that's not why they're called of noble character. It says they're of noble character because they tested what Paul had to say against Scripture, right? So they didn't just blindly receive it. They just didn't say, okay, you say it, it must be true. No, they investigated. They looked into the Bible to see if what Paul was saying is true, and it says that they were of noble character. The same way that the shepherds, they heard the message, they listened to it, and then they went to check it out. Let's go see if this is really true. Let's go check it out. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I've got so many questions about the Bible, about Christianity, about Jesus. I'm just not ready to place my faith in in Christ yet. I'm not there yet. I want you to hear me. Please understand, that is okay. That is okay if you still have questions. We want to encourage you and we want to come alongside you as you check it out. I would encourage you, if you still have those questions, to look into the Bible to find the answers. Don't come with an attitude of, I'm going to prove this thing wrong, but just come with an open heart and an open mind and check it out. Say, this is what I'm hearing. These are the questions that I have. Let me look into the Bible, God's Word, and check it out to see if it's true. I'm confident that when you do, like the shepherds who found everything just as they had been told, that you'll find that it's true that Jesus is the Savior who was promised, who was born, died, buried, and rose again so that we could spend eternity with God simply by placing our trust in him. But that's not where the shepherd's story ends. First they listened. Next they checked it out. And when they found out it was true, what did they do? They went back and they imitated the angels. Right? Let's look. Verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All right, so what do the shepherds do? They told others how to find Jesus. 
when they find out that this message is true, that the good news that a Savior has been born, that He is the promised one, He is Christ the Lord, they immediately go and begin telling other people about Jesus. They tell them how to find Jesus. This is, this is amazing to me because, you know, they didn't say, you know, I need to sit in a Bible study for about eight months before I can really go out and tell other people about Jesus. No, they didn't do that. They didn't say, well, I really want to go to this, this, and this evangelism seminar before I can go out and tell others about Jesus. They went immediately. All they had was their testimony, right? Their story. Testimony is a word we use a lot um, to talk about our story, our grace story of how we came to know Christ. What did the shepherds tell people? All they knew to tell them was what they had seen and what they had heard, what they had experienced. And that was so powerful that it amazed the people that they told. Think about that. Your story, your story of how you've come to know Jesus Christ is an amazing story. It's powerful. It's powerful. So I want to encourage you, as you go throughout your week, as you go throughout your days, that you would... Go and tell others how to find Jesus. Don't worry about, I don't have all the answers. If having all the answers was, was a requirement, I would not be up here because I don't have all the answers. But I can help someone find them. You have your, your story, which is powerful, that you can share with other people, that you can say, this is what I've seen, this is what I've heard, this is what I've experienced, this is what I know to be true because this is what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And it doesn't stop there. Verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which which were just as they had been told. So again, what do the shepherds do? They, They go back and they imitate the angels. And they sing God's praises. First they listen. Then they check it out. They see that it's true. So they tell others. And then they sing God's praises. Again, all we know about the people that they told is that they were amazed. They were amazed at what they heard. It doesn't say whether or not they went, and I don't know if the shepherds knew whether or not they went. But the shepherds, again, are just so excited because they had experienced Jesus Christ. And they had the privilege of telling other people how to find this long-awaited Savior. And for them, again, Knowing what they had experienced, that they had trusted, that they had experienced Jesus Christ, and knowing that they had gotten to tell others how to find Jesus was cause for them to sing God's praises. They got back together with all the other shepherds who had experienced Jesus, and they sang God's praises. You see in a little bit of a pattern here? You see in a little bit of a pattern? This is our hope. If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, to have true, real, lasting joy, you have to start there. It starts there, but, but we certainly understand if you still have questions. We just want to encourage you to listen. And as you listen to that message, that you would then check it out, that you would look into Scripture and check it out. And again, we're confident that if you will look into Scripture and check out the message of Jesus Christ, that you'll find, like the shepherds, that it's true. And that you would believe. And then that all of us who believe, who've placed our faith in Jesus, that we would go and tell others what? How to find Jesus. And then when we gather here on Sunday morning, it would be a time for us to do what? Sing God's praises so that we can go out that next week and find people who will listen. And hopefully they'll check it out. And when they check it out, hopefully they'll believe. And then all of us who believe can go out and do what? Tell others how to find Jesus so we can come back together and sing God's praises so we can go out the next week and find people who will listen. 
so that hopefully they'll check it out. And as we come alongside them and help them check it out, hopefully they'll see that it's true and then we can all go out and tell others how to find Jesus and that we can come back and sing God's praises week after week, month after month, day after day, year after year. That is where we're gonna find the real joy. If you reach in your bulletin, you'll, you'll find that everybody has one of these three by five note cards. And, and here's what I want us to do with this. First, if, if you're here this morning and you still have a lot of questions, you still say, I'm not so sure. I, wanna, I want someone to help me check it out. Here's what I'd ask that you do with this card. If that's you and you're still checking it out, that you would write your questions down. Write your questions down. Again, we're not intimidated by questions. Questions are a good thing. And then that you would find either your community group leader, one of the elders, myself, or a member here at River Rock Bible Church, someone that you know has, has made that decision, has said, yes, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and that you would get with them and say, hey, would you help me check this out? Help me find some of the answers to this? We'd be more than happy to do that. So for you, I just want you to use your cards to write, write those questions down. Now, for those of you who, who would say, yes, I am trusting in Jesus Christ as my Savior, here's what we would ask you to do with this. This is going to be called your 3-2-1 card. All right, 3-2-1. So you may want to do three separate columns. You're, you're free to set it up however you want. But it, it may look something like this. You want to have three people that you're praying for, two people that you're serving, and one person that you're going to have a spiritual conversation with. So three people that you're praying for, two people to serve, and one person to have a spiritual conversation with. Now you can set this card up however you want. You may have one person that's in the pray, serve, and spiritual conversation column. You can have different people that aren't in any of the same columns, right? It's yours to do with as you like. Now here's why we want to do this. There's a couple of great reasons. Number one, it's going to help us connect with Jesus. Because as we're praying for people and as we're serving them in the name of Jesus Christ and as we're going out and having those spiritual conversations, it's going to draw us deeper into his word and it's going to draw us deeper into relationship with him. Number two, it's going to help us as a church to draw closer to one another. Because my hope is that you would, you would share this with people in your community group. Say, hey, here's who I'm praying for. Here's who I'm trying to talk to about Jesus. Will you join me in praying with me? Will you, will you come with me and help me? They've got some questions, and I think you might be the one to be able to help me answer those. Why don't you come with me? And so as a body, it's going to draw us closer together. Number two, excuse me, number three, this is going to be a great way for us to help other people connect with Jesus. Because as we have them on our mind, and as we begin living intentionally, we're going to see other people who begin to have connection with Jesus. Sure, there might be some who say, you know what, I'm still checking it out. I'm not there yet. But I believe greatly that if we do this together, that there are going to be many more who say yes. Who say, yes, I want to be a part of that. And then guess what? We get to go out with them and tell others how to find Jesus and then come together and sing God's praises and then go out and find more people to listen who will then check it out and see that it's true. And then we can go out and tell others how to find Jesus and sing God's praises together. I hope you'll take this 3-2-1 card. Keep it in your Bible. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't have names that are coming to you immediately, I hope throughout the next couple weeks that as you go throughout your day, as you go to work, as you go to school, wherever you're going, that, that you would ask God, just, just help me fill this out. Help me fill this out. Lord, I want to be faithful. I want to be intentional. I want to experience your joy 
not just the joy of salvation, but I want to experience the joy of telling other people about your salvation. I really do believe that, that when we do that, that when we're doing that, that we will experience that lasting joy, that enduring sense of happiness. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, we just we pray, Lord, that you would be with us this week as we go throughout our week, as we think about the people in our lives that we can be praying for, that we can be serving, and that we can be having spiritual conversations with. Lord, that this would not be just another thing to check off, but that this would be something that we truly use to help draw us closer to you, to help draw us closer as a, as a church family, and to help draw other people into relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to experience the fullness of your joy every day, every week, year after year. We know that that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for those that are here this morning that have yet to place their trust in him, I pray that perhaps today would be that day that they would listen to the message, that they would check it out and see that it's true, that it's just as they've been told that you sent your son to die for our sins. Lord, I, I do pray that each and every one of us would be thinking about who we could tell and that when we gather on Sunday mornings and in our community groups and throughout the week in our homes, that it would be a time for us to sing your praises because people are hearing the good news of great joy that a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one other person in this story that I think we would do well to imitate. And that's Mary. In verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. With everything that's taking place around her, the angels are telling her, what they've experienced. She's been visited by angels and she knows that her son is the promised Messiah. And it says that she treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. And I think this time of year especially is a great time for us to treasure the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and to ponder, to think on, to reflect on what that really means for us.